0: Take ORFM Dunedin with you wherever you go, with podcasts and streaming of primo local content. Download the accessmedia.nz app for free from Google Play and the Apple App Store. This
1: program was first broadcast on ORFM Dunedin and made with the assistance of New Zealand On Air.
0: Welcome to The Final Curtain. Ordinary New Zealanders telling their stories about death. I'm Shirley Welsh. Host of Death Cafe Dunedin, where people meet in all sorts of places to drink tea, eat cake, and discuss death. In this program, we break the taboo around talking about death and hear firsthand from New Zealanders about their experiences and their perspectives. Today, I'm talking to Anne. Anne and her wife Eva plan to grow old together. With Anne, Eva had been able to be her authentic self having transitioned from a male persona to Eva, but their plans were cut short when Eva was diagnosed with a fast-growing malignant brain tumor. Anne, tell us about your relationship with Eva, how it started and how it evolved.
1: Well, um, yeah, it goes back quite a a while uh, to when we were 18 and 19 uh, at university together, and um, We were um, very good friends at that time, um, all the way through university. And then when we um, left university, went our separate ways, uh, got different jobs, had different um, relationships. Um, I came to New Zealand, Eva stayed in the UK. Sorry, I should have said we were both at Newcastle University in the north east of England. Um, But... I came to New Zealand when I was around about 29. And um yeah, we we'd kept in touch. Um and then uh oh, both our relationships kind of mm, changed, faltered at the same time in a way. And it was around about the time that um Uh, personal computers, home computers, (laughs) sounds amazing that we didn't all have them back then but um, yeah around about that time and uh, if people remember the sort of friends reunited things because we'd sort of lost touch for a few years. Anyway we got back in touch and um, we decided that actually it was more than just friendship um albeit very close friendship we had and uh so yeah we we got together mm. um we were pres- probably in our early 40s by that time yeah so different relationships and marriages later mm. yeah
0: now you went back to
1: yes england For about five years. Yeah, five years. In fact, it was exactly five years. That was our plan. And pretty much to the day it worked out. Um, Because I'd I'd chosen to come to New Zealand. I even, you know, visited and loved it. And um, she decided that she wanted to um, come back to to New Zealand with me when when we could do, um, because she had some children and um, they were a little bit young to kind of leave, which was why the five years back in the UK. But yeah, when when we came back out here, it was amazing. I I miss New Zealand every day that I was away. So coming back was was great. And to have Eva with me was fantastic. Mm.
0: Tell me about your life in England, because at that
1: stage, Eva was Tim. Mm -hmm. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Yeah. um, At that time, uh, we I I, I knew um, that um, she liked to be who she was, um, uh, but was between two worlds she was still what you'd technically call transvestite at that time and and that was easy to do in the UK you had um completely separate groups of friends different workspaces I lived in one city worked in another you know it's just a different different setup to here so we got we got married just before we came Came out back, back out to New Zealand in two thousand and eight, um, and and then when we um, arrived back in in the in New Zealand, it wasn't really possible to be two different people, Um, Dunedin's too small, (laughs) you know, uh, you go out and socialise, you generally bump into people that you know from work at some point. So so Eva was getting quite, well, a little bit depressed about not being able to be who she truly was. And um, people who um, are transvestite and understand how much effort and time it takes to actually um change you know um she she bought some very expensive um uh false breasts and and you know we had we spend hundreds of dollars on on um uh corsets and and things like that and and it was all just hard work so yeah for eva's 50th birthday we decided that um or she decided she wanted to transition prior to that and we said well well, let's just go to Thailand and and have the operation so that's what we did Mm -hmm. so we were we were in New Zealand at this point so you know it was um, just a question of getting out there and sorting things out and she did a really great job of transitioning in her work space she had a coming out party and introduced herself to all her work connections at the time she was working for the polytechnic the research and development section and um and she was managing that department so yeah so she came out and and it was yeah it was good work work, she was just blossomed really in um being herself And then things started to go awry. What happened with Eva's health? Um, well, she, she had a, a, a number of health problems. Actually, uh, she was she was mm, uh, f- first of all found out she was celiac's when when we came to to New Zealand. Um, it's the way that New Zealand processes flour It made it more aggressive. So she she spent the first three months of new of a New Zealand life with diarrhea and and vomiting and until that was diagnosed um but later on she had a uh, um, gallbladder uh, removed um, so she had that but um we had no real inkling the tumor was was just out of the blue really um, first of all uh, the um it was probably December time she was uh, w- doing some project work I think with the university uh, and she noticed that she couldn't write very well uh, her hand function her handwriting was going off um, she went to physio had some as you, you sort of imagine it's something carpal tunnel- tunnelish and things like that and then Um, So yeah, um, so that was really the first inkling That was just in the December And then kind of over Christmas period um, It was getting a bit weaker She'd been back to the physios, nothing really helped And then round about end of February, early March uh, She lost all function in that hand, couldn't even hold a pen So her GP said just go to ED And so that's what we did um, and she said, "Yeah, I'm, I'm terrified." And me think, "Not you don't think the worst, you don't imagine it." So I was thinking, oh, "I'll be fine, you know, don't don't worry." As you do, <laughs> but no, it turned out that there was cause to worry. And so what was wrong with her? In fact, well, first of all, they thought it was some kind of cyst, some atypical typical cyst, because obviously the, she had an MRI, and the MRI showed. A thing in her left frontal brain, and um, and then even at that point, we thought, oh, maybe it's something. Um, and it looked good because the MRI showed that there was no other spread of anything to the rest of her body. It was just isolated to her brain. Um, but um, yeah, when we finally got. To have the operation, obviously they do a biopsy, and then we were kind of told that it was a, an actual tumor and a, a glial cell cell uh, tumor. Um, our uh, neurosurgeon, uh, he, he was a recent, relatively recent import because I'm I work at the hospital, and he was not somebody I was familiar with, and he didn't quite come out and say oh it's a glioblastoma multiform," and um, he just said it's a glial tumor and i thought well is the different sorts and is this not so aggressive so he wasn't actually straight with us which which was a little bit annoying um but yeah as it turned out it was the the worst kind and the most aggressive and the fast growing one mm. yeah and so how did her condition progress from then on? Um, well, she had a uh, um, hand, her arm became useless. Um, her, She had a few falls um, when we were just still pretty mobile, but her, I think her foot was a little bit weaker and we were crossing the road one day just shopping and, and she just leg collapsed beneath her so um so that was another um indicator of where it, of where the tumor was in the motor cortex and then um she her speech started to become um dysarthric slurred speech which was hard to harder to understand fortunately m- my job I listen to dysarthric speech is what I do and so I was pretty good at interpreting it, but that started to become a little bit affected as well. Um, those are her muscle movement, not her thinking. Her brain was still able to think and reason and um, do all those things, which was good. But she needed a sling for her arm, you know, it was pretty useless. And she was a designer, so she uh, tried to figure out ways of getting around that and work one handed. Um, She was amazingly um, practical and robust and positive about um, the whole process. She just said, Well, we'll take it a day at a time and we'll. And we'll move forward and see how we go, you know. Um, what is the usual progression of this condition? There isn't a usual progression because it just depends on where the tumour is sited in the brain. Um, th- this type of um, problem, we looked on the internet as you do. And, you know, people have lived with a glioblastoma from between several weeks and the longest we saw was 22 years. So uh, the 22 years is what we kind of hope for. <laughs> maybe, maybe we'd have some disability, physical disability, but we'd have still have Eva. Um, but yeah, some people live for five years with it. But it really depends on where in the brain you it's taken root. Mm. At what stage
0: did you? And her start to think perhaps she's going to die. Mm. Um,
1: probably after her first operation. She had her first operation around about the end of March. They said they hadn't managed to um, remove all of the tumour, so there were still cells there. And again, that's that's fairly typical. So you move to radio um, radiotherapy, chemoradiotherapy for... to to try to kill off the rest. Um, If they cut it all out, you end up with more disability. So they preserve some and try and let the radiotherapy do the rest. So she actually started the radiotherapy, um, but she only probably had about five, four or five treatments. And then things started... Her condition seemed to be deteriorating again, rather than getting better. So they did another scan. They found some fluid. They didn't know that whether that was to do with a bleed or it was, it was just um, CSF, cerebral spinal fluid, kind of leaking out and showing up and putting pressure, additional pressure on her brain um so they did they did a second operation to to drain that and it wasn't blood so we were kind of thinking oh good it's not that but then she had falls she had more falls and she uh, she actually had a lot of pain because she had um a broke a crush a crush fracture to one of her vertebrae so she was constantly putting a heat pack on that Um, She couldn't walk by this time. She was pretty much in a wheelchair. And um, and she had, after the first operation, she had um, seizures. Uh, And again, that's not unusual when you have a brain tumour or surgery to the brain. But the seizures, um, they were not really fully controlled she had a lot of medication but she still had minor seizures pretty much all the time she used to call them conniptions she used to say excuse me i'm in a conniption and they would last for a short time and then and then she'd be back again but it was harder and harder to communicate um yeah so i guess with each it was a bit of a roller coaster. Some days she seemed to be getting better and rallying, and then the next day she'd be down again. And so, because we were not seeing any upward progression that I could detect, I think we probably knew. And there was no more radiotherapy after those five episodes, um, that, uh, five treatments that she had. Mm.
0: So, did there come a time where she could have no more treatment
1: or chose to have no more treatment? No. Um, she uh actually wrote a living will and um as her function deteriorated um we decided um that's me medical team and, and Eva, to an extent we decided that we weren't going to actively treat anymore we'd keep her comfortable um there's medication that you'd reduce swelling that she was taking but we weren't going to actively try to cure the disease it was getting ahead that the, the, the growth the speed of growth was too fast she it was getting ahead of her mm. and us and yeah mm. and
0: then she her condition deteriorated to the point that she died mm-hmm. from the time that she was told she had this condition to the time that she died. How long was that? Just two months. Right.
1: Mm. So it was yeah. very, very
0: rapid. Mm. Yeah, it was. Are there things that you regret now, looking back over that
1: time? Um, we rallied. We, we, we rallied friends, and Ava was incredibly positive. Um, we talked a lot. So no, I, I don't. I don't really think anything too major to regret but what I do think when she was in hospital in the final days there was some just when we decided to stop the medication to treat the condition she had a a, a terrible night she was um, yelling out and and she with her one part of her body the the one side of her body that she could move she pushed herself out of the bed and onto the floor the sides of the bed were up but she she managed to push herself out of the bottom of the bed where there was a gap um, if I could have not if I could have stopped that pain for her I would other than that I, I think we did what we needed to do, um, we always had a fantastic relationship and um and that served us both well, I think, for the period that she was ill and yeah, so i don't think there's too many regrets and how have you managed without her <laughs> well, it's been really really, really tough um and i people who have have a very solid relationship I'm sure can relate to how hard that's been um, we liked each other's company we liked to socialise in small groups so we didn't have well we've got no family in New Zealand or my family are back in the UK and there's friends but not too many people around there were supporters and colleagues people that were friends that we would call family but they support you for a while and then they get on with their lives and so it's been it's been very tough it's been really um, I've needed um, counselling um, on a number of occasions and I'm very grateful for that because that's really helped me come through because it's been hard yeah. Mm-hmm. If you had to speak to the doctor that
0: you said wasn't up front in the beginning, mm. what advice would you give him as to how better to deal with a situation like yours?
1: Um well, I think I would tell tell him to just be straight. Just say this is this is if you look up on the internet, this is the what the name will be. And um and this is what you'll read and this is what we think is probably likely to happen but at no point did he ever say that and i used to say oh well you probably can't tell and he just used to sit there and nod say so, yeah but but give me some idea or us some idea of what you know the the benefit of your experience but he didn't do that so yeah being straight and and probably giving giving us what what we were likely to look forward to would have been good Mm. would that have altered how you did things no no it wouldn't actually have altered it but how we felt about it and how we felt cared for that would have been good Mm. yeah because the outcome would have been the same
0: now reflecting back what has Eva taught you. <laughs> um, oh
1: well, she she was such a rock. She was such an inspiration. She was a very busy person. Always had lots of plans, and um, and she didn't really waste any days. She she was always um, thinking and and moving forward and positively as well. So I think. Um, lessons from either really to treasure each every day and um to use it as well as you can she's um believing in yourself she believed in me incredibly where i you know i couldn't quite do that for me and she she had unwavering belief and um yeah so making the most of things believing in yourself and and um just yeah
0: and you've also spoken to me about being authentic. So mm. how mm. Eva became her authentic self and lived that life in, in a very bold and brave way.
1: She did, yeah. Courageous is definitely how I would describe her transition and how well she managed it. Was was great, good communication. And, yeah, I know knowing her in both personas, um, I would say that she was just um fantastic she she i think i use the word that she blossomed and she did she was she was very much herself her real self and was very generous and giving and loving from that point not that she wasn't before but it was just more <laughs> you know um yeah it was it was fantastic mm.
0: so how long was she what you describe as her authentic real self
1: oh only uh, for probably about eight that last eight years of her life yeah mm. right mm-hmm. But um, And that that's hard for family to come to terms with. But that most of her family were in the UK as well, so they didn't actually see or come into contact with her that often. In swings and roundabouts that, because they didn't get used to her being her true and authentic self. So they didn't really know how special that extra, you know, that extra dimension i suppose was they didn't see that which is a bit sad mm-hmm. and and as families they always struggle because obviously all of their memories up until that point and you know 50 well, it will be great if she'd have transitioned at 20 mm-hmm. 20 25 30 something like that they'd have had more time to get used to it but friends mm-hmm. accepted her incredibly and mm-hmm. friends and colleagues very well
0: well, Anne, thank you so much for telling us your story. I'm so sorry for Eva and for you that you didn't get to grow old together. But I am glad that with your support, Eva was able to live authentically for eight years. You've been listening to The Final Curtain. Ordinary New Zealanders telling their stories about death. Podcasts from this series are available online at oar.org.nz and from the accessmedia.nz app. At Death Café Dunedin, the conversation continues. You can join that conversation by listening to other New Zealanders tell their stories about death. And, if you want to, by sharing yours. Look for Death Café Dunedin on Facebook for updates and meeting times. Take ORFM Dunedin with you wherever you go with podcasts and streaming of primo local content. Download the accessmedia.nz app for free from Google Play and the Apple App Store. This program was first broadcast on ORFM Dunedin and made with the assistance of New Zealand On Air.